0: Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to com or visiting this episode's description.
1: Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. <laughs> because politics needed a rebrand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, well, we are back for another episode of Girl and Gov, the podcast
1: holiday week edition, holiday which, week. Whew, how did we get here? Is everyone excited for your Thanksgiving? Um, I just can't believe, like, it's a holiday season of 2021. I feel like it was just, like, spring, and then it was just summer, and then, like, fall hit, <laughs> <laughs> and then fall hit, like, yesterday, and then all of a sudden, now we're in winter. I'm just like but here we are and what's that song where it's like the days just keep on coming or no the years or whatever oh probably yeah well it is those those vibes for sure it is but no we're here holiday holiday season has approached and i feel like because of that we definitely should shout out Our episode like from the archives with Mm -hmm. our amazing therapist who came on last year and gave us a run-through of basically how to like talk to your parents or your uncles or your aunts or anyone who you disagree with when you know that that tricky conversation of politics comes up at the at the Thanksgiving dinner table or wherever wherever you are. Yeah,
0: wherever, whenever. Wherever, whenever. Although the one that's been interestingly coming up to me a lot like not me specifically, but like friends and friends of friends, et cetera, is the like new significant other at mm. the like holiday table and them having vastly different political I can't in relate the family. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> by the way again, still single to last week's episode, we are still single, still looking for billionaires that are liberal. So yeah. if anyone knows any – and they're also hot and in their 20s or 30s. Moments, yeah, so I'm just like – I think we
1: definitely need to take advantage of this platform a little bit more and, like, always put feelers out there of, like, ladies, if you have a cute brother, like, send him our way, please. Especially in um, San Francisco and no New one, York City. No one
0: under six foot,
1: thanks. Okay. Yeah, ideally. Even though we're both, like, actual just We're so people. short. Oh, my God. We yeah, are very really small, sorry. but we still have that, you know, just – toxic standard
0: (laughs) we need someone to be able to reach shelves and like let me tell you don't get me wrong i can climb i can make any kitchen a jungle gym and an apparatus and like it's wild but like look like i am getting older and i could you know my bones are frail and Mm -hmm. i could i could fall and hurt myself so really it's just preventing a trip to the hospital at this point yeah so
1: Can I actually bring something up that is not political-related and it's not even Sam and Maddie-related? But it's just, like, really on my mind this morning, especially because when I opened my phone this morning, like, all these new pictures of Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson popped up. Wait, stop it. And not only are they, like, new kind of, like, thirst trap, like, paparazzi pics, he has, like, a full hickey and, like, he's showing it off. Like, and I am just fully now in a place where I don't trust them. And it's just it's just so clear to me that this is the fakest thing ever. The hickey, like you're gonna really show off a hickey. Like it's it's just. I'm sorry. I know this is so unrelated to what we talk about on the show, but I just had to get it out because I also heard a theory that because mm. Travis Scott is being sued by like 250 of those concert goers from Astroworld, and he's like, I think right, that so. I think it's like racking up like two billion or something. He's getting sued for. Which is insane, wow. but like, there's a theory that this Kim K. Pete situation was like is like a PR stunt to get the like eyes away from Travis. Possibly. You know what's
0: interesting about that? And I look, obviously, I don't know Pete personally, so, mm. <laughs> but I think he's an interesting one to wrap up in this. Totally. Like, I don't get me wrong, obviously, Kim Kim has been in this scheme for since it's birth. not surprising she started it. On her, but.
1: From him, from I him. mean. I guess let
0: me look at Ariana Grande. But I
1: think that was actually real.
0: I don't know how I feel about because that
1: because he was like actually nobody when they dated, so I think that they actually like really yeah, fell in fair. love and then like got engaged. So I actually, think that I'm was like, real. Really
0: looking at this picture of him right now, and I honestly do think
1: he's kind of hot. What is no, I think he's me? I think he's really hot. Fuck. I also saw this other Damn thing it. that talked about how he's ugly hot. Oh, totally um, I saw this TikTok and it was like talking about like ugly hot versus hot ugly and like mm. you know like Cristiano Ronaldo mm-hmm. like he's hot ugly like he's so attractive that he's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, you know? oh, disgusting. 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 Like I feel like he's a walking STD. Oh yeah, oh, my he God. looks like yeah, he just doesn't yeah. I Gross. don't I hate him. But anyways, I just really had to get that off my chest and if anyone mm-hmm else is feeling the same way i just like felt really bothered by it today and i needed to get it out on this because i'm like yeah, a hickey like grow up you know if you didn't want that to make headlines then you'd maybe cover it up or like wear a hoodie pete davidson like so it's just so We're clear here. and he's like walking around like cameras to neck like where it happened and he's it's just like they got so many clear shots and i'm like this is just so fake pete davidson Works in showbiz. It's
0: not like going to be his first time wearing makeup to cover something up, right? Hey, well, he's so got those like, dark
1: circles, you know. <laughs> so he's probably not. Although those are kind of hot. I know, but he's not not used you know, to concealer, is what we're saying. Yeah, but, exactly. So I'm like, but anyways, I'm sorry I'm again. Sorry. This is not relevant to the show. You're here for politics, and honestly, I think maybe the the way we tie it in here is just like keep that critical thinking, you know, going when you're when you're looking at the news, even pop culture, especially the Kardashians. Wow. Critically think, dive in, get the receipts. There we go. You can do it pop culture, I enjoy culture how too. We, are,
0: we are in the spin zone. Like, it's just, excuse me, er, 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 we're spinning. But speaking of spinning, we're going to spin it over to our guest, yes, who is amazing <laughs> and super exciting. So obviously, you know that we love to keep up with the candidates. And one of the races last year that we were focused on was the New York City City Council race. But now... Los Angeles is in the mix so there's a city there are many city council races up and happening so of course we gotta we gotta get the scoop LA huge city lots going on there lots to talk about obviously California is relevant politically everywhere is relevant politically but they are sort of a trendsetter oftentimes Mm -hmm. for where politics goes at the local state federal level so very interesting so details aside let's get into drum it drum roll please is we have yasmin pomeroy who is the candidate for like i said los angeles city council for district three on so obviously we get into it we get the full nine yards on her campaign what's going on in la and also just like what on earth sort of the political scene looks like there because it's complicated and it's different in every single city like mm-hmm. it is literally could not be more different so if you're curious about what's going on in la What's to come and all of that. This is a great episode and conversation for you. And without further ado, here is Yasmin.
2: My name is Yasmin Pomeroy. I am running for Los Angeles City Council in what is currently the third district of LA City. We are currently in a redistricting year. The entire nation is going through this, and. I can get into that a little bit later with the extreme gerrymandering that's happening that happens all over the nation. It happens in Los Angeles, and it's particularly happening in the West San Fernando Valley, which we have never seen in this volume before, but I'll get into that in a little bit. So I'm running for city council. I live in a suburb of LA, and a lot of folks in the suburbs actually don't know that we are part of LA City Incorporated. They they think that the Los Angeles City is this other space, which... We are very disconnected as far as being in the city versus the suburbs. And the reason, the reason I got into local politics and decided to run specifically for Los Angeles city council was because of my students. So I'm an educator. I work at the same high school that I graduated from. So my entire experience and my career has always been focused on giving back to the community that helped raise me and shape me into who I am today. And when we were shut down for COVID, educators really saw how broken our systems were. We all saw it, but educators see everything, right? We see that there are issues in transportation. Our kids can't get to school right? There are issues with food insecurity, with housing insecurity. And once the pandemic happened and we were shut down, all of this came to a head in ways that we just never had experienced before in this volume. And I thought, why, why do we not immediately provide universal broadband for everyone, especially the kids who have to drive to a Starbucks or a Taco Bell to use their Wi-Fi to do their homework, mm-hmm. Right. Why are we, why did our city council vote no on a rent moratorium when I was getting email from my students saying that their parents lost their jobs mm-hmm. and they weren't sure what was going to happen to their housing? If you're yeah. 16 years old, it's it's hard enough to deal with housing right. insecurity as an adult, right? right? But if you're 16, you shouldn't know what eviction means. You shouldn't be concerned yeah. about having to help your parents or guardians pay for rent. Mm-hmm. So I just got an onslaught of emails from students who had that same story. This past year, when we were shut down completely and doing remote school for the majority of the school year, I had more students on the brink of homelessness than I ever have. One of my students shared with me that they had been unhoused their entire high school experience. One of my other students who had graduated the year that we were shut down for COVID, her mom up and left when my student turned 18 and she had to scramble to find housing. She's undocumented. She did not have a job. And if you're undocumented, all of these processes are even more difficult to navigate. So we held a fundraiser for her to make sure that she was able to get into a space, pay rent, have supplies, materials, like things that you just should not have to think about when you're 18 or 19 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. So Our city voting no on a rent moratorium when the pandemic first happened set me off because I immediately thought about our kids and all of this could have been prevented. And I felt like our city just was not doing enough. But prior to this, I was focused on education and educational policy. Mm -hmm. I ran for the California Teachers Association State Council got elected, and am now on the highest board of policy writing for California. So I write policy for California education at the state level, and that was my focus for a really long time. That's what I wanted to do up until I saw just how much a city impacts education. And if our kids are concerned about where they're going to live or where their next meal is coming from, Nothing that we can do in the education sector is going to help them, right? Because yeah. I, in education, I can't control whether or not they're able to afford rent or whether or not they're able to get a meal at the end of the day. So
0: totally, and that impacts everything. Like you're saying, you're really right. seeing it all. And I, I mean, I think you also just drove home such a good point of like educators really do see everything firsthand. You guys are basically at the front line of seeing all of these social problems. And economic problems, because everything is connected, come to light. And I think that perspective is so needed and so refreshing and so awesome. And I think it sort of leads to the next question of your campaign itself and what you, you know, really want to achieve in city council. So you wouldn't mind sharing some of your, you know, platform takeaways that you'd love voters to know about.
2: Sure. Sure. The number one thing that I am focusing on is housing and homelessness. Mm-hmm. And in this past year and a half of this has been a learning experience for me as well, right? I've learned that over seventy percent of the apartment buildings in Los Angeles are owned by developers. They're not owned by individuals. They're not nice. mom and pop landlords, right? Yeah, they're developer owned. So when it comes to housing, we need affordable housing. Period. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, where I live not too far from me there is a luxury apartments being built and a one bedroom apartment is $5000 a month as a teacher i cannot afford that right yeah. in my research i had plugged in to see where an affordable housing space would be in the event that mm-hmm. i would need one or someone mm-hmm. else would need one so i plugged in my information got a phone call a couple days later and had to call this person back because it's, you know, call this person, call this person, call this person. It's not just like a Total one. And school one. Right. Exactly. Which it's difficult enough to navigate that right. on its own. And then you're like, okay, well, I've already applied for this. Why do I have to go through four different people to get an answer? yeah And when I got to the final step of this, the woman who had left a message on my cell phone, I could hear the hesitation in her voice. She said, I am calling because you're interested in affordable housing on the website. It said that there was one unit. She said, we have a wait list of 10 to 15 years. No years.
1: I just got the chills.
2: Same 10 to 15 years. So I call her back and I say, okay, so that's a wait list for, the one unit that's available within a five mile radius of my workplace. Yes. Okay. So then she asks, well, are you looking for low income or affordable? Could you do moderate? I said, I could probably swing moderate if I needed to. And she said, oh, good. We are on the 2020 wait list for that. So that will go by faster. And I thought it's almost 2022 and you're on the 2020 wait list. How long is that going to take? If someone needs housing immediately, yeah. how long is that going to take? Right? Just going through that, I cannot imagine what it's like to be in a situation where you have to scramble to find a space to live and only to find out that there is an egregious wait list. Mm-hmm. It's crushing. And we're not doing enough as a city to prevent these things from happening. We need to preserve low-income housing we need to preserve the rso's in los angeles they are being bought those Those are uh rent stabilized ordinances where you cannot so it's rent control right you can't raise the rent over a certain percentage and we're seeing those get sold and what Wait, ends you can up buy happening, them? you can, right. You can purchase them. So developers that is can, you can purchase them. Bullshit. Right. Oh my God. So okay. if, if you're in Los Angeles, you'll see that there's this luxury apartment right next yeah. to a fourplex or a duplex. The duplexes are usually the ones that are the affordable RSOs and the luxury apartments, of course, are the ones that are thousands of dollars a month. Mm -hmm. So we're not preventing these spaces from being sold. We are not protecting our renters. We are not protecting folks who are low income. So we can talk about building affordable housing all day, every day, but that alone is an entire process that will take years to get built and navigate. So I would love to see more policy that protects renters and protects those spaces that are already meant for our most vulnerable communities. So my number one focus is to make sure that those are preserved. We have more ability to also allow for renters to build wealth because in Los Angeles especially, owning property is one of the only ways that you can build wealth, right? And in LA, the renter credit is $60 a year. So if you're a renter, you get $60 back. That's not going to do anything for anyone. So I would love to have some kind of system set up so that renters can build wealth Mm, in addition to making it easier for renters to find a space to live. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I have another question circling back to the developers, just as someone that's like not from LA, why is that number so high in terms of the ownership of these apartment buildings? Like, is there, was there ever something where it's kind of just set it up? So for them, it was going to be more successful than a mom and pop kind of owning, you know, a few buildings or a building, you know, what sort of put that into motion?
2: The most basic answer I can give you is they have money. Right. So if you have an, an individual who is able to pay market price for a space And you have a developer who has millions of dollars more the developer is always going to be beaten out by the mom and pop yeah they're
1: massive corporations
2: exactly yeah
1: yeah Yeah, it's definitely a big problem in california i'm in san francisco yeah same same deal bay area it's bad right but anyway to kind of wrap up talking about your campaign like what are also two kind of takeaways that listeners and voters i know we have some people in la listening so what should they know about you and, and your platform and your campaign?
2: This is a 100% grassroots campaign. This was built from scratch. For anyone who has been thinking about diving into politics, it's one of those things where you just have to rip off the band-aid and do it. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I think hinders a lot of people, especially women, because the thing that you hear most is men make the decision to run and women have to be told and pushed Mm. to run. Yeah. Right. There's this idea that you have to have experience in the political realm. Mm -hmm. Your life experience is just that.
1: Right. Right. Like, political experience.
2: Exactly. Being a single mother is experience. Being an immigrant is experience. Being undocumented is experience. Being a low-income student is experience, mm-hmm. right? So you know, you exactly.
1: Real human being.
2: Yes. Represent real people and represent those problems from a lens that isn't coming from a point of privilege. So we're 100% grassroots. I went into this without knowing exactly what I was getting myself into. I I was just so angry Mm -hmm. at this entire process. And I was so mad that once I started learning what I know now, everything makes more sense. And I think it's made me a better educator for sure. I have a lot more empathy for my students and their families looking at um, this as a whole rather than these isolated incidents. And I think that's something that a lot of government entities do, right? We try to tackle one problem at a time when really it's an intersection of everything. Totally.
1: Yeah. Well, all, all very enlightening. And I am excited to see what happens with the campaign. I have some friends in LA, so I'm going to tell them, tell them about you, but moving on, we want to talk about LA politics a little bit because it is a monster of its own for sure. And, you know, similarly, we've talked to a lot of like New York City. People, politicians, and they're both just like cities that are little, tiny Americas in ways. So there, there's a lot of representation in like intersections, like governing cities, like those. So first, we have to start off with our "I have a stupid question" segment because you're running for city council. So how many council members does LA have? Fifteen. Okay.
2: And each council member represents roughly 250,000 people. Oh my god. That's bananas.
0: That's genuinely bananas. Like just thinking about like how many different
2: like perspectives. Wow.
1: Yeah. I wonder what the numbers can do. You know what the numbers compare to like an average, like Congress member, how many people they represent?
2: I don't, but pretty sure New York has 51 council members. If that gives you an idea, our city council should have double the amount at least yeah. I was going to say
0: the 15 really like shakes me and granted from the one time that I've been to LA, <laughs> the landscape definitely feels like, you know, it's a little bit more spread out. Yes. So I see how that could from a geographic perspective, I guess makes
1: sense. But like for well, a yeah, representative, what? it's like the city of LA is confusing. Cause it's like, there's so many cities within LA that you yes. kind of think is LA, but then when you govern LA, it's, it's just a pocket of it. Right and if you look
2: at how gerrymandered
1: each council mm, district yeah.
2: is it's it's very enlightening yeah. going back to redistricting now it is so much more difficult to create and draw a map of a district when you only have 15 to cover it is a massive city mm-hmm. and i do not think we would have the t- kind of problems that we have right now in redistricting if we had double the amount of council members
0: totally i totally see that i mean yeah. just actually have representation fully, right you know i mean hey. that makes makes it happen okay so one thing we wanted to talk about is the role of presidents in city council what does that actually
2: mean like if you're like the president of city council like what's your what's your spiel what's your job So the president of the city council, first of all, when the mayor is absent or when the mayor gets appointed, Mayor Garcetti recently was appointed to be the ambassador of India and the council president would then become the acting mayor. So that would be their position. They would take that position over um, in the interim and the council president also handles the parliamentary par, parlium, parliamentary duties. I know I, know you. I was like, <laughs> I was
1: I was going to try and help you. And then I was like, wait, uh, I don't really know. <laughs> it's just big. That's a tongue twister. <laughs>
2: yeah. It yeah. is, especially when you are on your feet teaching for eight hours a day and then coming home to campaign. It's like having a second job. So mine is just all over the place. Uh, it's, so it's all good. the council president handles those duties and then presides over meetings and yeah, that's, that's pretty much the role of the city council president is to handle all of those different, different roles.
0: But talking about sort of the political scene, what exactly is like the dynamic in Los Angeles? Like
2: what would you like describe
0: like the political scene, like how it kind of operates any political or any personality traits you would attribute to it?
2: LA is such a strange place, because on the surface, we're very progressive, right? But when it comes down to the way things are run in government, we're not as progressive as we seem to be. And then you also have folks who who are very left-leaning and very progressive. They'll donate to AOC. They'll donate to Bernie. They voted for Bernie. Yeah. But when it comes down to voting for someone progressive in their own district or voting on a ballot measure that's really progressive in their own district. They shy away from that because then it literally ends up in their backyard. And if it's not happening here, it's okay Mm. because it's happening in New York or Washington, or I don't know, a space far away from Los Angeles, right? So I think that there's a lot of surface left leaning, but at the end of the day, what's done underneath is not quite as progressive as it can be. But I think we're we're seeing a shift in that because I am hoping that we're going to see a change in governance and we are going to see younger people holding these positions and we're going to see more women holding these positions, more LGBTQIA plus people holding these positions and just shift that narrative into what LA is actually about and what LA stands yeah. for and have those progressive messages, but in in policy.
1: Is there a slant in the current city council and like the dynamics in there? Like, is it kind of more liberal leaning? Is there, is it conservative in ways? Like what how do you feel about that?
2: If you're coming from a leftist liberal young perspective, the city council is conservative. If you're coming from a centrist or right-leaning perspective, the city council's progressive. Mm-hmm. So it depends on what your own opinion and vision of governing looks like, right? Yeah. Since Nithya Raman got elected, she was the first person to unseat an incumbent in city hall in 17 years. Wow. She's also a woman of color and... She's far more progressive than the rest of the council. Since she's been in office, we've seen a slight shift where other council members have leaned a little bit more progressive left. I don't think we're, we're definitely not as far as we want to be, but we've seen a shift. And the hope is that in 2022, if we can unseat two or three more council members, I think we'll see a huge shift in Los Angeles and the way that things are run.
0: Wow, so there's like there's potential. There's a there lot of potential. potential, and the momentum is like just getting started because like here we are, 2021, 2022 is like literally around the corner, but like right in the perfect spot to get things like moving and grooving. Right, it's so very up fast it is. It's cr- <laughs> I, oh my god, time flies, time flies. But talking about political issues in LA, obviously, you know, we've just went through sort of like where things stand in terms of slant bias, etc. But what are like the core issues that you would say impact the LA area?
2: Homelessness is on everyone's mind. The problem is everyone wants a to wave a magic wand and to just make it disappear. And that is nonpartisan, right? The the right is upset with it. The left is upset with it. No one wants to see people living on the streets, but everyone has a different opinion on how to handle unhoused communities, right? And people want this to disappear as if it's happened overnight. And this has been decades of failed policies in Los Angeles that has created this issue again we are not protecting our renters mm-hmm. we're not protecting our vulnerable communities we're not protecting our immigrant communities we're not protecting women who are in abusive relationships who have no yeah. other choice but to leave their households because that's not safe for them so there's so many issues where we have such little funding when it comes to caring for our vulnerable communities and if we don't invest in that, it's not going to happen. It's not going to change overnight. So we're all upset about this because it's in our face now more than ever, Yeah. but people just want it to disappear and we can't just magically make this disappear, right? So one of my goals is to educate people on what unhoused folks need and it's not just this blanket of services. You have to meet people where they're at. And we can't keep wasting millions of dollars on homeless sweeps because it does absolutely nothing. I think there was what an estimate. Know? So a sweep is when you have Los Angeles sanitation come in and sweep an encampment. So they would, mm-hmm. is, they essentially say you have 10 to 15 minutes to grab all of your stuff and move from the space that you are currently in. And I was just at a sweep a few weeks ago. What ends up happening is they have zones that are sectioned off for sweeps every day, every week, every month. And when they come out and tell unhoused folks that they have to grab all of their stuff, there's a specific section that is zoned off. So they go from one end of that space to the other end of that space. And then once again, from that end of the space to another end of the space. Right. So our city recently passed a motion called 4118, where it made it illegal for anyone to sit, sleep, or lie within 500 feet of an underpass or a sidewalk. And when we do something like that, all we're doing is criminalizing poverty. And if you cannot sleep, In an underpass, if you cannot sleep on a sidewalk, if you cannot lay down on a bus stop or a bus bench, where are you supposed to go? Yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna ask. Like, what's the alternative? There is there's no alternative. And the city keeps saying that we have that there are spaces for them to go, that they're being offered housing, that they're being offered services, and this is untrue. I went to a tour of a tiny home community that was recently put up in our district. I'm not the biggest fan of them, but I don't disagree that they're, they're a very temporary solution.
1: Yeah. And okay. I've had Empowered solutions are needed. As
2: exactly. Well. I've had unhoused folks ask when the next tiny home is going to open up. So I can't deny that someone is asking for a space, right? right? So when I went to tour the tiny home community, the gentleman that I was with kept saying, oh, this is a this is just a bridge to permanent supportive housing. And he kept saying this right. every time I would ask a question, this is a bridge to permanent supportive housing. So I asked, where is the permanent supportive housing? How many, how many units yeah. do we have? How many buildings do we have? He said zero. So if we're advertising something that's not true, yeah, where mm. are people supposed to go?
1: And it's like, you can drive around the city and then go see all of these massive developments being made. Correct. And- those are being approved by the city, correct? But there's this massive need and zero affordable housing being built. And let's but let's right. go sweep everyone off the streets and right. go. Good luck. But all those luxury homes do your thing, right? It's crazy. Well, I also had a question for you because t- we recently talked to uh, State Senator Wiener from San Francisco. We were kind of talking about homelessness and some like state solutions, and I think the local level is just as if not more important, but we you know, talked about also kind of like chronically homeless population, those suffering from mental health issues, drug abuse issues. Like, do you have any solutions on the local level for that population as well? Like what are some of the temporary solutions for that and the long-term ones?
2: There is no simple solution. Everything has to come back down to, you have to meet people where they're at. And One of my goals is to also educate people and help them be more empathetic. Mm -hmm. When we talk about mental illness or we talk about being chronically homeless or we talk about drug and alcohol abuse, people have these issues while housed. The only difference is someone is able to shield others from it because it's not a public display versus someone is out on the streets, Right. right?
1: Totally.
2: When this question is asked, I typically when it's asked, not in, not in this kind of context, right. I get this question all the time of, oh, well they don't want help. They just want to keep abusing their drugs. And I ask, do you drink, do
1: you have a glass of wine yeah. every so often? Well, I also know like people with loads and loads of money who have had <laughs> just alcohol. Alcohol right. is like not even the worst thing to be addicted right. to right. alcoholism. Go to the most beautiful rehab in Malibu Exactly Multiple times, multiple stunts. And like still after a few like rounds right. going to rehab, can't beat it. And then finally beat it. Maybe the fifth time. Right. Imagine, you know, heroin and these really, really addictive drugs. That is, it, it's a disease. Like you said, like there's so many people struggling with it behind closed doors and behind their literal homes, but yeah, Correct. you see it on the streets and especially with some of these more aggressive drugs. Like I don't want right. do You do.
2: And. You know the the people who have privileges and money and power. You mm-hmm. also hear them bragging about the drug use, right? There's a meme that's or a, a saying like, "What's something that is yes, th- trashy right? in Florida, yes. or, uh, but also right.
0: classy?" Yeah, right. so oh, trashy
2: yeah. if you are if you are poor, uh, poor and classy if, you're, if right. you're wealthy or rich, and this Opioid. is exactly one of those issues. How many people are on prescription drugs that cannot or brag about how they
1: abuse drugs? Yeah. Like I had so much fun on the plane last night. I took a couple of ambient and knocked me (laughs) out.
2: And if you have money and you're on a plane or you're in your mansion, it's totally fine to brag about it. But if someone is living on the street and they are self-medicating with drugs and alcohol, because that is the only comfort that they have, suddenly it's not okay. And it's like, you can't
1: sleep on the plane. Well, how how is someone supposed to sleep on the sidewalk? Right. Yeah.
2: So I'm really hoping to bring a different perspective and empathetic lens to this. And you can't just ask someone to pack up their stuff and go to rehab in a normal house setting. How are you going? How is a stranger going to convince someone who has been through extreme trauma yeah. of being homeless and say oh yeah you're going to rehab now right. so you have to meet people yeah. where they're at and you have to build those connections and trust with folks and that's the frustrating part is there is no immediate solution again yeah. this is something that is decades of failed policies in not funding mental health services in not funding social services and not funding education right? Right. So it's just decades of this that we're now seeing come to a head even more with the pandemic. So one thing that I try to remind folks of is when you're seeing someone who is having an episode, again, one, people have episodes all the time. The only thing that's (laughs) different is someone's in a shelter versus someone who's not. Yeah. And the folks that the unhoused folks that we see are at their who are in those episodes, that's one of, that's just one example. And most of the time when people have an experience like that, that's what they equate homelessness to, which is wildly untrue, mm-hmm. right? The majority of unhoused folks do not have a drug abuse or alcohol problem. They do not have mental health issues, Yeah, but because the folks who are out there having episodes who do not have a any kind of shelter to live in, don't have a car to live out of. That's what we see, and that's mm-hmm. what is most, I guess, visible. To it's also the most the dramatic community. too. It, it like, is you also the most it. dramatic, yeah. right? So there is no immediate short term solution. Again, we have to meet people where they where they're at long-term we need to fund services for folks like you said you can't call the police yeah yeah no one it, is going to trust someone coming at them with a badge and a uniform right. with a gun that is not the t- person that you are going to call right
0: totally and even too like even if it's like someone's not having an episode but you're like there's a family on the street that really needs help right who do you who do, who do you call? call to contact to be like here, like, here's someone that's going to show up and tell them about services. Because I can't imagine that, like, it, there's also a communication limbo because how on earth would you know about, like you are saying, going back to earlier about scrambling to find housing or anything like that? Like, if you can't afford housing, how are you affording, you know, necessarily like a cell phone bill to be able to have internet, to be able to right. then look up these things. And an then, ID. yeah. It, like just, there's so many like layers to it of like the access. And I, the fact that there's no middle middleman's not like really the right term I'm looking for but anyone that could help them like right. be an access point
1: yeah. to
0: if there are services available to do that but even like start the process because it's like yeah. the cops are definitely not the right answer right. and i just feel like there there doesn't seem to be one available yet or in this moment which is damn shame in so many yeah. levels
2: right so we need to fund social services so that we have we have trust We need to build trust and we need to fund those services so that the service providers, the social workers who are out there, the folks who are working directly with the unhoused community have a reason to stay in those jobs because those jobs are so taxing. One of my friends was working directly with the unhoused community. And part of her job was to find people and build relationships with them. And eventually get them housed, right? I believe she was supposed to have seven max on her caseload. And she had double the amount. And you're getting paid just a little bit over minimum wage. You are also on call at night in case there's an emergency. And she was so good at her job. She housed so many people. She was incredible at it. But eventually she had to leave that job because it was so taxing. There was no way okay, she was going imagine. to be able to make enough money on top of all of that. So why yeah. don't we fund those services the same yeah. way we fund Surgeons. the police? It's literally right just, like <laughs> give them, give those people who are working around the clock to house people and to help the community and ultimately. help the community pay them a living wage, pay that give them a pension, give yep. them yep, yep, excellent yep. health care. And give them a reason to want to stay because someone is not just going to end up in that service providing career just because they want to, like, that's a specific calling, right? You have to want to help. Same with teaching. We don't do it for the money.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. It's something that
2: we want to do. We want to give back to the community. We want to educate. So I think we would need a massive budget to be able to not just fund the service but also make sure that we're retaining the people who are working in those spaces so that we can build relationships and we can follow up with folks especially once they're housed mm-hmm. right we need to make sure we're following up so that they don't end up back on the
1: streets yeah yeah thank you so much for coming on before you go can we get everyone your information where they can find you and your campaign and your Instagram handles and all the things sure so my campaign website
2: is yasminforthecity.com. It's Y-A-S-M-I-N-E-F-O-R, thecity.com. My Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handle are all on the website. It's at Yasmin for the city, but rather than the F-O-R, it's the number four. It's a little bit confusing. So make sure (laughs) you're plugging in at Yasmin, the number four, the city. Yeah.
1: Well, thank Amazing. you so much for your campaign. and Let us know what we can do.
2: Excellent. I appreciate you both.
1: Top stories of the week. Wow, that was good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, let's gas myself up for a second. So, you guys, you. top story of the week. We have Alex Jones and Roger Stone subpoenaed by the House January 6th committee. So, more updates on... January 6th in the investigation. So the committee investigating the January 6th insurrection has issued subpoenas for five more people, including Roger Stone, a former Trump ally. And conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. So I don't know if you've heard about this guy, but he's a popular radio show host amongst the far-right conservatives. And mm-hmm. he, he's getting a subpoena here. So these subpoenas included demands for documents and testimonies from the two along with three people who have been accused for organizing and promoting two rallies during January 6th. So Democratic chairman of the panel, Mississippi Rep Benny Thompson, said, the select committee is seeking information about the rallies and subsequent march to the Capitol that escalated into the violent mob attacking the Capitol and threatening our democracy. We need to know who organized, planned, paid for, and received funds related to those events, as well as what communications organizers had with officials in the White House and Congress.
0: I just obviously, I always have to interject with a comment that's unnecessary. It feels like my brand, but anytime I see the name Benny, I want to be like, Benny, Benny boy, Benny from the block. Benny
1: in the Jets. Um, what is that? Are you joking? <gasps> What's Benny in the Jets? Wait, do you know who Elton John is? Yeah, he kind of annoys me. Oh, don't my God. It's, like, his, one of his most iconic songs. Would Sniff I, like, know it if I heard it kind of thing? Of course. Okay. I think he would. All right. I'm After a little bit off. shook. I'm a little bit shook that you don't know Benny in the chats, but it's okay. I would sing it, but, like, I don't want to do that to myself. So let's just keep, keep going yeah. and maybe listen after this, this recording. Okay.
0: I'll, I'll take into consideration mm-hmm. just, like, this committee, which has interviewed more than 150 people across government, social media, and law enforcement. So lots of people in this mix. We have also subpoenaed more than 20 witnesses. Stony Boy. Oh, my God. That sounds so weird. Stone. Stone was convicted in Robert Mueller's Russian investigation of lying to Congress about his efforts to gather inside information about the Russian-hacked Democratic emails. So, the subpoena states that Stone spoke at rallies the day before the insurrection and used members of the Oath Keepers, a far-right group, as bodyguards while in D.C. He also states his involvement on the day described by the subpoena is categorically false. Okay. Mm. All right. Mm. Mm.
1: Sus. So the House panel wants to hear from Alex Jones. Jones promoted Trump's claims of election fraud and urged his radio listeners to come to Washington for the rally. And Thompson states that Jones made statements implying that you had knowledge about the plans of President Trump with respect to the rally. And so other three subpoenas were issued to Dustin Stockton. Jennifer Lawrence, not like J. Law or Queen, but a different one, and yeah. Taylor Budowitch for promoting and organizing rallies following the 2020 election. I hope that Jennifer J. Law's like PR team is all over this and making sure there's no there's no confusion because that would I think that would so, look
0: bad. And she's okay because she just okay. had a major Vanity Fair spread come out mm-hmm. about her reemerging onto the scene. So I think people are like. Lost in the sauce on that. Oh, I love
1: her so much. Okay. So Stockton and Lawrence were key leaders of the Stop the Steal movement, and they plan to testify and will turn over documents requested by the committee. So, yeah. It's pretty much the 411.
0: So that's where we're at right now. We'll see where these subpoenas go. We'll I see. really feel like that
1: is kind of the, the word of the week, word of the month. I
0: don't know. Maybe, that's the maybe word we'll to of like
1: that. maybe. No, there needs to be merch that's like, we'll keep you updated well, that's genius. I'm sorry. That is going to be really excited. Like we'll give you we'll keep you updated. Or I'm literally adding that to Idea Factory right now. Yeah, we'll keep you updated. <laughs> I think we say that for every story, always. And but we do we do come through on our promises. We do keep you updated. Yeah, we really do. So
0: <laughs> I'm
1: I am excited. I'm excited. I'm unwell and I'm keep an just eye out for that right. merch. It's going to be coming
0: soon. It is. It is, which is crazy. But we we'll get into our next story and another election. And apparently, Grandpa, Grandpa Biden intends to run for re-election in 2024. So Jen Saki confirmed Monday that Biden intends to run for re-election, which, lay wolf, oh. because he is going to be very old. Very, very old. Very, very old. So that's intriguing. His potential plans, obviously, for 2024 could change over the next two years. I mean, things happen in... A swift minute in politics, so it would not shock me if something changed before then. Even just like, like we said, he's he's old, so health could change very rapidly, and who knows? Yeah, obviously, wish him the best. Hope nothing happens. But point being is, like, there's always speculation when someone starts getting up there in their years, and he would be literally 82 at the start of a second term, meeting 86 when he's done, and he's already the oldest president sworn in. I would just like to comment, though, he is not the only. Like old fogey, like either running for re-election or going for another seat. Like Vermont is having a similar situation where their congressman is now running for the open Senate seat, and he is seventy-one right now. Like, but still, God. that's like a whole
1: decade, of, like yeah. younger than Biden. It's just, I, I mean, but that's I also don't know what the history looks like as far as like usually when you run for president, you're running for both terms when you first announce. Like it's that's such because. A good point. You know, you intend to do yeah, one. because people want you know stability in the presidency, and so you know obviously Trump didn't get a second term, uh-huh. but I mean maybe it's going to become the new norm that like maybe we just get more one-term presidents and not have the expectation that everyone has to be a two-term president. Who knows? But as we know and what we've been talking about lately is how Biden's numbers are steadily declining and amid uh, dissatisfaction with economy and rising prices, among other things. But Biden said in during the 2020 Democratic primary, he viewed himself as a transitional figure within the party, but one who was uniquely positioned to beat then-President Donald Trump. The prospect of Trump seeking re-election in 2024 could contribute to Biden's desire to run again. So this will be interesting. Like, yeah, Biden really was chosen by the DNC, let's be real, Mm -hmm. um, to be the Democratic primary winner to ultimately beat Trump, and he was successful in that, so you will definitely give him that. As much as, like, people are in love with Bernie, there is a lot of me that didn't think he would ever win just because there's so many, like, moderate voters who would never, who would be like, Bernie's too liberal. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. He, He was saying at one point, like, you know, a transitional figure. That's kind of what... I saw yeah. for him as well and that was his role and he did a good job of that. He got us out of the Trump presidency, but now Trump could run again. So, this will be interesting totally. to keep an eye out, but again, 2024, I just don't want to talk about it yet. Can, can we just not go there? I know. It's god. Like 2024, feel, to me that it seems like I should have kids at that point, no? I mean, how a, how, how old would you difference. be in 28? Now you're like, oh, you're excuse me?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Absolutely not. You're like, excuse you. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. Um anyways, uh, well those again, are I'm our top stories. To single billionaires. <laughs> those <laughs> gonna... are our top stories this week. Everyone go enjoy your Thanksgiving. And again, hit that um episode from last year. Yeah, we can maybe line. link it in the episode description for this so that it's easy to access if you're like you know what i need a therapist to tell me how to productively communicate politics with my family we have an episode for you so hit the episode description to go listen to that after this on your commute traveling holiday commute and that is it for this week join our brand hey, ambassador oh. program if you have not yet there's no requirements That's- it's all volunteer based and we just want to build a community so if you're a regular listener of this podcast, just get more resources, talk to more like-minded people, other Girl in the Gov listeners. It's a great place to be. Yeah. So go sign up in the episode description as well.
0: And one more thing. One more thing for the road. Just like FYI for like being able to like listen to the pod on flights and like places with bad service. Like maybe you're like one of my friends has T-Mobile in the city, which is Wait,
1: an Wait, I have T-Mobile. Don't come it. But I feel it. like it,
0: different cities, it's different, like... Different things work better. than T-Mobile. In, I haven't in had too New many York. problems in New York. I'm speechless. I'm It's not that over bad.
1: This. It's not that bad. Shout out to T-Mobile. Okay. Well, T-Mobile used to be well, Sprint, and then T-Mobile and Sprint came together, and now they're they're both just a little bit better because they have a you know expanded network.
0: Although together. we do have an episode coming up talking about the dangers of mergers and acquisitions. Guys, That's true. So stay tuned. Okay, stay we're tuned. really rambling. So, anyways, download our episodes and have
1: a good holiday. Have a great holiday. We'll be talking to you all next Wednesday.
0: Hey, guys. Popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running,
1: everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the
2: ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.